Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. Pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Baseball season is officially here. And the story that will dominate this season that has dominated the offseason is, of course, the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. So how many teams knew? What did they do with that information, and how long did they know for? All of those questions are answered in a fascinating, outstanding piece in the Washington Post this morning. It's a Thursday, home and home. We are Radio.com Sports Original, brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, and Barry Sperluga with us this morning from the Washington Post, author of that terrific piece on the Astros sign-stealing scandal. Barry joins us on the phone from D.C. this morning. Great to talk to you, sir. So how many teams, in in your estimation and your reporting, knew about the stealing signs for how long, and what did they do with that information? Well, I mean, it's it's extremely complex, and I think knowing and suspecting are two different things. Um, When you talk to executives and really when you talk to scouts, um, who are tasked with, um, you know, evaluating the Astros. Uh, scouts have a very tight-knit community. Information runs through that community pretty freely. Um, it was widespread. Suspicions were widespread, we were told by executives and scouts, going back beyond 2017 to 2016, maybe even 2015, People were suspecting that something was up with the Astros. Now, did they know what they were doing? Did they know that they were um, using video and relaying it uh, to a monitor very close to the dugout and then banging on a trash can? They did not know the the machinations. But um, two executives told us that they thought that 10 to 12 um, clubs had reached out to MLB and said, could you look into the Astros? Now, suspicions weren't only about Houston. this was a time when video was, of course, uh, closer to the dugout, closer to the playing field than ever before because of the instant replay challenge system. Um, so I, I think what happened over time was um, people began to watch Houston's at-bats, wonder why they were laying off certain pitches, wonder why they were, you know, looked like they were really on other pitches. Um, and it became very widespread, as, as several people told us, an open secret in the game that the Astros were up to something, whether they knew exactly what that was or not. So, Barry, in your mind and through your story, is it a worse look for the Astros in the sense that they were doing it for this many years? Or is this worse for MLB, who apparently – had a lot of warnings and didn't do anything about it for years. So I'd say pick your poison there. I mean, it's going to be hard for the Astros to look worse. And I think, you know, beginning today, we're going to get to talk to and question 
Astros players more directly. Obviously, the the uh, hitters don't have to be there until later, until next week. Um, so maybe we won't have all the characters lined up there. But I think your point about Major League Baseball is a good one. Um, obviously, we talked to baseball officials. Um, they they said that uh, the complaints or suspicions about the Astros were were not specific. They people did not have, um, you know, they didn't know exactly what was going on. So MLB says, what were we supposed to investigate? Um, I do think that if you go back to when this originally came out, um, you know, the reality is that video and technology were a huge part of the operations of any team um, during this time, not just because of instant replay and challenges, but because hitters have become so reliant on that technology to evaluate at bats in the middle of a game. They, you know, strike out and want to play to parents, run up the tunnel, look at the video, uh, see what happened there, and then take that information to their next at bat. I kind of liken this to MLB allowing, um, you know, baking a, cho- a batch of chocolate chip cookies and leaving it in front of a five-year-old and then walking out of the kitchen and expecting the five-year-old to not have touched any of those chocolate chip cookies. These, these hitters had the technology. Um, I don't think it was a great uh, leap that it would be used in a way to gain an advantage. The Astros in particular were an organization that looked for advantages in all the margins. Um, and I don't think it's crazy, particularly after uh, the development with the Red Sox in 2017 when they were sending um, information to a trainer through an Apple Watch in the dugout, that MLB should have pricked up their ears and said, no, we've got to monitor this. Sending a memo um, forbidding this stuff is not going to be enough. We've got to get people in the video rooms to make sure that um, that nothing nefarious is going on. Barry Sverluga with us from the Washington Post. Combine your reporting with Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, who reports that Carlos Beltran was essentially the godfather of the sign-stealing technology. And if you combine that, as I mentioned, with your reporting that several teams knew about this for several years or at least had suspicions, why didn't the the Yankees acquire Carlos Beltran and then the Mets hire him for a manager and the Red Sox hire Alex Cora as a manager? If teams had suspicions, were they trying to find out what the Astros were doing or trying to acquire said talent to implement those cheating protocols? Well, I think it's. I think we probably should be careful about retrofitting, you know, reputations and stuff with through what we know now as part of public yeah. discourse and and what those guys' reputations were at the time. Alex Cora was on the rise, um, a very, very, very observant and astute player when he played, uh, and um, you know, True. certainly uh, had. Um, real relationships in that Astros clubhouse that were meaningful and they were part of a, a very good team. Carlos Beltran, um, uh, Hall of Fame type resume. Uh, by the time he went to Houston in 2017 for his last year, was really seen as um, a veteran presence to kind of oversee uh, a group of not all kids, but it's a young core um, that uh, was extremely, extremely promising. Um, now, does that the Yankees hiring Beltron? Um, are they trying to get at what the Astros were doing? I've talked to Yankees people; they didn't say that that was any part of it. Um, I, I think that independent of all this stuff, those two guys were um, stars on the rise in in you know in a management position. 
Um, I don't I don't necessarily think uh, that they were hired in the positions that they've now been fired from because somebody thought they could unlock the key to the Astros sign stealing stuff. Barry, what about these reports of the entire revamped playoffs with, you know, adding some teams and being able to pick who your opponent is, you know, as a guy that's not a huge baseball guy, I kind of like it. Gives us something to talk about, entertaining, you know, pick your opponent. Is there anybody in baseball that likes it, though? Because it seems like it's been universally panned. It does seem like it's universally panned, and, and I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. Joel Sherman from the New York Post uh, broke this story, and I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, proposing it and having it be done are two different things. Um, I think Major League Baseball, think of it this way. Baseball, when you talk about baseball and its position in the American sports landscape, everybody is quick to lament, like, oh, it's an older fan base. The game moves too slowly. You know, you're going to alienate. The, the, there's not enough balls in play, you're alienating kids, how are we going to keep the game alive? I mean, that discussion has been, you know, really for 20 or more years, um, and the game still thrives, particularly at a, a local level. But if you're going to criticize it for being stodgy and not moving fast enough, and then, you know, a report comes out that they're thinking outside the box and, and um, you know, coming up with ideas that they want to bounce around, and I know that that's the environment in that office that, that they are open to ideas and they talk about a lot of things and they solicit a lot of opinions. Well, how, how come you're criticizing them for being behind the times and then they try to come up with an idea that they're not even implementing yet and they're immediately shot down for being too radical? I, I, I find it hard to have it both ways. I, and I'll say the one thing about getting to choose your opponent, you know, that's come up in the NFL playoffs, right? Like, you know, a, a 500 division winner gets to host a, a game, and um, wouldn't you rather play this team, uh, even though they won the NFC West, um, because they're clearly not as good as the wild card team that came out of a tougher division? I, I think it's kind of neat. I, I I have seen it happen in baseball, where I mean, it happened this past uh, postseason with the Washington Nationals. They did not win the division. Los Angeles Dodgers um, had the best record in the league. And I guarantee you the Dodgers would have rather played either St. Louis or Atlanta because they didn't have the starting pitching that the Nationals had. And lo and behold, the Dodgers' best team in the National League lose in five games to the Nationals who end up rolling the World Series. So um, I think all I think it's cool to discuss. I think it might be cool to implement. And I think people are, are getting hot and bothered um, for reasons that MLB probably shouldn't be criticized for because they're really trying to put some thought into this stuff. I'm all for being progressive. I just don't think the playoffs are where baseball needs to be fixed. But, yes, being progressive, tweaking things, trying new concepts is certainly something that baseball needs to do. Uh, Barry's for Luga, Washington Post. Awesome to have you on the show. Read him in the Washington Post. Follow him at Barry, S-V-R-L-U-G-A, on Twitter. Love to have you back, sir. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, you better, you bet host Nick Costos joining us on the program. We'll get his reaction to the Astros half-ass apology just happened this morning at spring training and best bets for the weekend from Costos after a break, Ross. 
Castos is hired as our guy every Thursday because we love him just like we love ZipRecruiter. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Place in hell for all of you that take an extra two minutes in a crowded parking lot to back into a parking space to save yourself 10 seconds later on in the day. Happy Thursday, everyone. We'll discuss that later on in the program. And also the Houston Astros apologizing, sort of, for the sign-stealing scandal this morning at spring training was it genuine? Are you satisfied in particular if you are a Dodgers or Yankees fan? A Thursday home and home and we're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, You Better You Bet host Nick Costos joining us this morning. Good to see you, sir. How you doing, my friend? It's chilling. How we doing, gentlemen? What's going on? We're going to see if we can get you hot because the Houston Astros sort of apologizing, even asked, what do you say if you're the Yankees, your team, apologizing this morning at spring training, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, owner Jim Crane. Listen. Thank you, Jim. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with you all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy, and thank you, Alex. Uh, I also will be brief. We had a great uh, team meeting last night, and I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in, in 2017. <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball. And our team is determined 
to to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in in 2020. Thank you, uh, Mr. Crane. What do you have to say to the Yankees and teams that you beat in 17? Listen, the, the Yankees have had a few comments out there. Um, you know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Nick Costos, your reaction? I mean, they're fucking clown-ass, fraud-ass motherfuckers, right? I mean, like, who would believe this shit? Like, the guy gets... Imagine, like, the ball... And I guess, like, it's kind of like a a couple ways to take this, right? Because, like, what are they supposed to say? Like, if you're a Jim Crane, what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah, like, we won because we cheated. Then, like, it opens up another can of worms. So, like, one part of me kind of understands why they kind of had to do this and take the PR hit because there's really nothing they can say. But really, like, it's almost like, don't say anything. Like, I would rather not hear anything than hear him say it. It's our opinion that, that this didn't have anything to do with the game. It's his opinion, guys. Think about this. It's this fucking ass clown, Jim Crane's opinion, that cheating didn't impact the game. It's also my opinion that the sky is red and grass isn't green and, you know, water is dry. That's my opinion. Like, if this guy can get up there in front of the media and go, it's my opinion that cheating didn't impact the game. Well, then let's all make up a bunch of shit. Like, it's my opinion that I'm actually not five foot seven. I'm six foot seven. I'm actually tall. That's how I'm going to live my life right now. If these assholes can get up there and fucking lie to people's faces, then so am I. Cheating didn't impact the game. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, like, does anyone, and like, I'm a Yankee fan, so like, I'm biased, and I guess people will be like, oh, you're a fucking bitter Yankee fan. Like, what, what do you guys think? Like, who, will, who is ever going to listen to anything Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman ever have to say ever again? Like, you cheated, you thumbed your nose at it, especially that piece of shit Bregman. And I'd love to hear what fucking Justin Verlander has to say about all this. Justin Verlander's got something to say about fucking everything. He's, you know, killing writers from the Detroit Free Press last year, you know, who, who, who used to cover him when he was at the Tigers. That guy he gives shit to. Verlander's got a comment about everything under the sun, but then his team cheats to win the World Series, and now he's on the fucking side of a milk carton. Like, get these fuckers out of my face. Like, they're going to get booed relentlessly all season long it's not going to be enough they should really have the world series title stripped from them and they should thank their lucky stars that that's not the case like the toothpaste is out of the tube you can't put it back in but like all of these guys especially Bregman and Altuve like scarlet letter C for the rest of their careers that C stands for cheating cheating lying ass scumbag ass motherfuckers fuck the Houston Astros all right so (laughs) a couple things one is you know, we just <laughs> we just heard the audio. We didn't see the video, but that just seemed so fake and insincere that it almost was like a Saturday Night Live skit. And Altuve slides in the in 2017 when we already know now they've done it other years. Washington Post just had that story that people were suspecting for years, and he thinks he can just slide in that in 2017. My question, Nick, maybe I'm missing something, but why do you say especially Bregman and Altuve? Like, do we know that they were more involved? Like, maybe I missed that. 
Well, I, Bregman's kind of always been like one of these guys that's like, fuck everybody else. I'm better than everybody. And I think that's kind of why they sent him up there because he's one of been one of these fucking righteous, holier than thou, sanctimonious, self-righteous, son of a bitch, pieces of shit that gets up there. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're the Houston Astros. We're fucking better than everyone. And then Altuve's the fucking MVP and Altuve's the one who's like, oh no, don't rip my shirt off. My wife doesn't like it. Like, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, oh. man. Fuck you, man. You're fucking li You're a li They're liars. Everyone, no, anyone with half a fucking brain, even the most fucking dumbass Houston Astro fanatic, and like all fans are dumb to a degree, including me. So like, I'm not trying to be like Astros fans are dumber than anyone else, except they are in this instance, right? I think that kind of is the case. Who in their right mind would believe anything these guys have to say? Who would believe it? Who would believe it? It's our opinion that cheating didn't affect the outcome of the game. Really? Is that your opinion? Great. It's via fucking opinion then that that the fucking that that the moon is what actually lights up Earth you know, during daylight and not the sun. That's my opinion. Cheating did impact. Fuck you. Fuck them. Like just don't so, say anything. Don't fucking say anything instead of saying that. Yeah, that that should have been a no comment. That's a bad comment by him. So, yeah. I mean, they have to answer. Like Altuve, they have to answer for whether or not they had buzzers, right? Number one. Number two. I'm just so curious to see how much worse as players they are now. I guess it's not going to make, like, will it be a noticeable difference or not really? You know, it's really, we talk about this on You Better You Bet. It's really, like, kind of tough to say here because this is kind of unprecedented, right? So, like, Baseball Prospectus has their Pocota projections, right? Which is, like, their their algorithm that they run to determine, like, what a player's performance is going to be, you know, based on 162 games, like, a, a, that huge sample size, and then, you know, kind of um, projecting what records are going to be, right? So the Astros, per Pocota, are projected to win 98 games this year, which is, like, a real... The Yankees are projected to win 99 games, just for the sake of comparison, right? So... I think when you look at on the field, like the Astros are still really good. Like Jose Altuve is still a good player, like regardless of whether or not they had the sign stealing. Like Alex Bregman is still a good player. Verlander is still going to be a good pitcher. They still got good players. But what you can't quantify is the black cloud that's going to be hanging over them the entire season. The fact that they're maybe they're like pro wrestling heels and they're going to like like feed off of the booing that they're going to take on the road with them the entire season. Maybe they're going to be better for it, but I think it's it's kind of it's kind of very tough to quantify what the Astros are going to look like this year. I tend to think that they're probably going to be a little better than people expect them to be in the regular season just because the talent is there. Um so I actually yeah, I I I I, I think they're going to win the AL West still. And I think this is going to be like a big time issue for baseball the entire season. Cause I don't think the Astros are going to be go to like, this is not an 81 and 81 team. Like no way, no how like people stay healthy. This is a team that's winning 90 plus games. There's no doubt about it. Here's my question though, Nick, how do you feel about major league baseball and all this? Look, I blame the Astros. I think they're a bunch of douchebags. I hope they get booed. I hope they get crucified. And by the way, Justin Verlander has still not said a word this morning. Amazing. Uh, can't say anything on Twitter. Hasn't spoken this morning. But don't you blame Major League Baseball? First off, there's no freaking way that they didn't know this was going on. It's impossible to assume that this was going on at ballparks for that long, beating at trash cans, and they weren't suspicious. That was even before the Washington Post told us yesterday that several teams were complaining about the Astros cheating. And then there's the whole buzzers thing. And clearly, by all indication, Jose Altuve was wearing some sort of buzzer on Aroldis Chapman because the guy's not shy about taking his shirt off and looked like he knew that pitch 
was coming. But don't you blame Major League Baseball? And don't you just feel shitty in general about the whole game right now because of this? Well, I think that I don't know if it's totally fair, like to criticize like current baseball leadership, because then I think you got to go back in perpetuity kind of right, because then like we got to kill Bud Selig, who like turned a blind eye to the steroid era when it was really obvious. Like and I, look, that was more obvious yeah. because like fucking look, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer no matter what. Like he was a Hall of Famer before the steroids. But when his head suddenly ballooned to the size of the fucking Grand Canyon, like, you know, the guy's on steroids, right? When people's bodies are changing physically. So. I don't know if we really like, sure, like you can kill Rob Manfred and you can kill baseball leadership, but then I think you kind of have to go back and kill like the ceiling for sure, right? Because this has been going on for a long time in Major League Baseball. The one thing I wanted to add to kind of like, I guess it's kind of like to both your questions just now. I thought what Bob Melvin said yesterday was very interesting. The Oakland Athletics manager. Like there's this we always hear about in baseball, right? And there are a couple instances every year in the regular season usually where like it gets brought to light, whether it's, you know, Madison Baumgartner serving up a home run to Max Muncy and getting upset about it or, you know, wh whatever it may be where the quote unquote unwritten rules of Major League Baseball are being, you know, are being t you know taken advantage of and like the old guard gets gets really upset, right? So like there are people out there um, and I'm not looking to like talk about the Jessica Mendoza thing at all because that's not really relevant to this but I'm just bringing it up or like Mike Fires had his critics right for coming out and being the one to blow the whistle on this situation and normally it's a situation where in baseball like that kind of shit does not fly and if we read like the athletic stories that they had talking about um, like how everyone was afraid to car uh, challenge Carlos Beltran in the Astros clubhouse because he was like the senior member there like kind of gives you an indication of the way like the quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball kind of preside over everything well Bob Melvin kind of fucking threw a Molotov cocktail into that that yesterday when he was basically like, yeah, we we knew they were cheating. And I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly what he said, but it's basically what he said. The spirit of what he said was, I'm glad that Fires did this, and I'm glad that they got exposed. That's a baseball manager coming out and saying that. And if he feels that way, chances are a lot of teams in Major League Baseball feel that way. So I don't think this is an instance where this is just going to get swept under the rug and people are going to go about their business. Like, people are pissed about this. Like, the A's play in the same division as the Astros. The Yankees got robbed of, a, of, a, of at least a World Series appearance in 2017. The Dodgers got robbed of a World Series championship. And wait till the shit comes out to see what the Red Sox were probably doing last year. So I, I don't think this is done by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I'm, I'm reticent kind of to kill baseball for this because— then I think you can kind of you kind of have to kill baseball for a lot of different things. All right, so Nick, my last question on this, and I think I've asked you this in some way, shape, or form before, but I want to ask you again: If the New York Yankees were the team that did this, what would you be saying honestly on this show right now? The cheaters, like it's awful. Like no, like it all, like it really is. It's terrible. And if like if it came out that the Yankees were doing something similar, then like I'm gonna have to fucking bite the bullet and be like, hey, the Yankees are cheating ass, scumbag ass frauds as well. I mean, there's just like like th that's kind of you know if I'm it just has to be fair, right? If I'm gonna kill the Astros, then I'd have to kill any team that did it. Um, I think it's naive to think that teams aren't doing this in some way, shape, or form. And I think that kind of falls under like the umbrella of the unwritten rules of baseball. And like, if you like, if people haven't read it, like that athletic story that came out a couple days ago, that was like centered around Carlos Beltran and like Beltran saying like, like talking about like, Oh, like what we're doing was far superior to what's going on here. Oh, every team's doing this to a degree. The Astros took it to another level though. That's kind of what, what I think is the most striking about this and then kind of denied it and thumbed their noses at it, which is what really pisses me off and pisses other people off. But I would kill the, so if it comes out that the Yankees were doing something similar, then you got to kill them too. And I would kill them fairly. 
Fair enough. Agree with that. I want to get your thoughts on another of your teams, and that's the New York Knicks, who had some interesting stories this week. One was that they're the most valuable organization in the NBA, $4.6 billion for an organization that can't get out of its own way. They have their branding rep, Steve Stout, go on ESPN and basically fire the coach and the entire staff, prompting Mike Francesa, Radio.com, to say, how much more of a laughing stock can this franchise become? Can you answer Francesca's question? No, no, I don't want to. Do we have to talk about the Knicks? Like, why? Like, wh- what is what is different like this than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? It's Groundhog Day. Like, I stopped, like, giving a shit. Like, your guy Dylan that you have working on the show, I give Dylan a lot of credit. Dylan Burns, right? He is still, like, emotionally invested in the Knicks. And, like, and he didn't even, he's younger, he didn't even get the 90s like I did to really appreciate, like, how good like the Knicks can be and how the city transforms when the Knicks are good. Um, like I had when I was growing up as a kid, but like, here's what I would say to Dylan and all the other people that are like emotionally invested in the Knicks. Why, why would you do this to yourself? Like, I, I really don't care. Like, I, I don't think it's like, and I don't think it's news. Wow. The Knicks are a clown show. Great. How is this any different than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? They suck. I'm, I'm hoping against hope that Leon Rose, I wanted World Wide West to be involved also. I'm hoping against hope that Leon Rose can help bring some credibility to this organization, but who the fuck knows, man? I mean, fucking Jackass the Clown is still in charge, fucking Jim Dolan, so I, I you know, I, I don't fucking know. I, I don't fucking care. I'm like, I'm past it. I can't devote right, my energy so, getting upset about the Knicks. I just can't. All <laughs> right, so Nick, do you care about the XFL? What did you think opening weekend? What'd you like? What did you not like? And now that you have a game under your belt, do you feel confident placing some bets here XFL week two? Oh, I like the XFL. Yeah, I'm into it. I like the segment that you guys did the other day, by the way, Ross. And I thought your your kind of your rant on the subject was awesome when you're like, I'll keep dating the XFL for now, but obviously the NFL is your main chick, so I understand that the, you know you're not going to marry the XFL. I'm into the XFL as a fling as well now for the spring. I I I kind of really like it, just as an alternative, something else to bet on. That's really what it comes down to for me. Like I'll just be real with you guys because I'm always real on the show and whatever I talk about, you know, um, to people is um. Like baseball's proposal for the extra playoff teams and like all the shit that they propose. I love it because it's more shit to gamble on. It's more fun. Like the XFL is more shit to gamble on. It's more fun. It's more stuff to talk about. So I like it for that reason and that reason alone. Is the product as good as the NFL? No, obviously not. I do, though, objectively think that it's better than the Alliance product from last year where, I mean, those were tough games to watch because like the wide receivers were so bad. Like they couldn't complete the forward pass. At least we saw a little more of that this past weekend. So I do think the product's better. I think the way they're presenting it is really interesting. Interesting, obviously. So I think that there's some viability to it. I don't, I don't think it's ever going to, you know, touch one of like any of the other major sports, but as an alternative, something to bet on, play daily fantasy, I'm into it. And I do think that there's information that we can glean from what happened last week to handicap some games this weekend. So here's kind of what I'm thinking for uh, for this weekend in some games. I'll run through them really quickly. Let's start with Dallas and Los Angeles. Um, Dallas lost as a, as a favorite last weekend at home to St. Louis, but didn't have Landry Jones in that game. Now, there's an Oklahoma pipeline there. Bob Stoops, the former um, Oklahoma coach, is the head coach of Dallas. Um, Landry Jones, a former Oklahoma quarterback, is Dallas's quarterback. Jones didn't play last week in the air raid offense, but Jones is going to play this week, and we expect Josh Johnson to not play for Los Angeles. And I think there's a case to be made. Josh Johnson's the best quarterback in the XFL 
based on what he did last year for the Redskins in the NFL. But Josh Johnson's not going to play here. Dallas is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Landry Jones is expected to start. I would look to lay it with Dallas, um, laying the three-and-a-half um, in Los Angeles. Houston is an eight-point favorite against St. Louis. St. Louis looked good last weekend beating Dallas, but again, Dallas didn't have its starting quarterback. Houston's head coach is June Jones, who basically invented one of the um, the one of the uh, the forefathers of the run-and-shoot and really doesn't get a lot of credit for the offensive innovation he brought to the NFL in the 90s. Similar to the late, great Sam Weiss, who was the Bengals coach, who basically invented the K-Gun, which the Bills later adopted with Jim Kelly and Marv Levy, that took them to four Super Bowls. But Weiss gets no credit, similar to the way that June Jones doesn't get credit for the, for the passing game innovations he brought to the NFL. Jones has said that his system didn't work in the NFL because the defensive talent is so great. But that's why it works in you know, college when he coached at Hawaii and had Colt Brennan and, to, and, and others that put up huge numbers, why it worked in the CFL and why it's going to work in the XFL. And his quarterback, P.J. Walker, looks like a stud and someone who may get NFL looks, honestly, based on what he did last weekend. So Houston's an eight-point favorite over St. Louis, up from seven and a half. I would look to lay it with Houston um, in that game. D.C. and New York, this is a tough one. D.C. opened as a five-point favorite. Both these teams won last weekend. D.C. now sitting as a touchdown favorite. But we kind of throw away the key numbers, right, given, like, the crazy extra point rules here. So sit three and seven don't mean a lot. So I don't think there's anything to get like to get uptight about given that the spread is seven. I'd look to lay it with DC. I think DC is probably the best team in the league. I like Cardell Jones. I don't think the Guardians were as good as they looked when they when they shut down Mark Trestman in Tampa Bay last week. So I would look to lay it with DC. The toughest game is this Tampa Seattle game. Both teams were losers last week. Tampa's a three-point road favorite up from two. I would probably look to lay it with Tampa because Tampa was the odds-on favorite to win the XFL before week one. Seattle's coach is Jim Zorn, who's an absolute fucking idiot, um, and Seattle was bad last week. So I'd look to lay it with Tampa, but that's the game that I feel least strong about. So I like D.C. laying the seven. Give me Dallas laying the three and a half. Houston laying the eight. Three favorites for XFL week two. Nick Costos with some good stuff there. I, I wish they embraced more of the gambling on the broadcast. We were told they would. ESPN flirted with it. They had the line of the over-under, and it looked like almost every game was under, by the way. Um, just embrace it. And then it looked like Fox took that off, right? I'd like to see more gambling references in the broadcast, like fully on embrace it. But clearly Fox is not comfortable. ESPN more well, so. Not yet. Gim- I, well, not yeah. yet. I, I think, I, Dave, I think they're going to get there. Eventually, mm. um, I think that it's and this is me as like, look, I do this for a living. So like it's it's great for me when when shit like this happens. I think that yeah. this is like and this is my I could be wrong and you could be right. I feel like this is like it's not a toe in the water. It's more like maybe like they're like knee deep or ankle deep at this point. But they're getting there like they're going in the water. It's just a, a question of when they get there. So I actually I'm actually enthused, um, enthused and what's the fuck? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm uh, I'm happy by enthusiastic. Yeah, Enthusiastic, I don't even think is the way. In, in any event, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pleasantly surprised with where this has gone this Encouraged. far. Encouraged. Encouraged is the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Yes. No worries. Are you excited <laughs> and/or encouraged about? I, you know, I never even thought, Nick, about betting on like the dunk contest oh, or three-point shooting contest. I feel like that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, I've been doing it for like 15 years. It's great. It's tremendous. Um, And honestly, it makes Saturday is a more fun all-star weekend day than Sunday because the game is like whatever. And like, honestly, I tried, I tried to read like 
when they put out, and I know it's to honor Kobe, so like I'm not like, I am not shitting on that part of it where like like they're going to 24 at the end, but I'm trying to like read the rules of like this new All-Star game, and it felt like I was studying for a test, and I'm like, fuck, I've been out of college for like 15 years, I'm done, 20 years, I'm out. So I'm out, I'm not even, I'm not even looking at the shit. So I don't even know what the rules are, I don't care, it's irrelevant to me. Um, but Saturday night, it's gonna be great. So we've got the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and the skills contest. I'll give you quick picks for all three. Aaron Gordon's gonna win the dunk contest. He's the favorite, plus 130. We remember, you know, everyone wants to talk about the Vince Carter dunk contest in 2000, the Michael Jordan, Dominique, great showdowns in the late 80s. The Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine dunk contest, which Levine won, which Aaron Gordon probably should have won, is one of the great dunk contests of all time. Like Gordon is like a world-class dunker, and not just a world-class dunker, but a world-class like prop dunker in an event like this. So, I mean, there are other guys like, like Dwight Howard. You know, if he does a big Kobe tribute and like it came out after Kobe passed that, you know, Kobe was going to be maybe involved with the dunk for Dwight. If he does a big Kobe tribute, maybe that gets like the sentimental vote. And I hate to kind of use that in like handicapping, but I think we have to here. Um, I'm still going to go with Aaron Gordon plus 130. He's the favorite. Um, in the three point contest, here's a change that everyone needs to know about. So in addition to the regular like five stations or, or is it five? Yeah, five stations where you shoot from. Now you have a couple shots from a farther distance as well. Um, that you can get more points on. And I think that's going to favor Trey Young, honestly, who like who is bombs away all the time. Trey Young is one of the favorites here, but I look to him to win the three-point contest. And let's take a shot right now um, at, for the skills competition here. I'm going to take a big man here. And let's keep in mind that De'Aaron Fox was the favorite last year. Didn't make it out of the first round. Because if you get tripped up on like the passing or the three-point at the end, you can easily get eliminated in something like this. So I'm looking for long shots when it concerns the skills challenge. I'm going to take a look at the son of... He's not my Vetus. He's not your Vetus. Our Vetus Sabonis. Our Vetus's son, DeMontis, of the Indiana Pacers, is a big man who, like his pops, who came to the NBA late. Just a quick aside here. Our Vetus Sabonis, if he had played in the NBA in his prime, would have gone down as like the greatest passing big man of all time, one of the greatest centers of all time, but came to the NBA late, so doesn't get the credit he deserves. DeMontis is a great passing big man. He can put the ball on the ground. He can shoot from long distance. DeMontis Sabonis plus 700 will be my pick for the skills competition. Sabonis for the skills competition. Gordon for the dunk. Trey Young for the three. Love it. All right, want to see what kind of human being you are before we go, Costos. And it's really easy. When you're pulling into a, a crowded parking lot. Well, I, I'm not sure about that. I still have faith in you. You're pulling into a crowded parking lot. Well, I don't lot, really care what you think. Behind you. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, it could be the morning. could be the afternoon. Everyone's impatient. Everyone's trying to get in and out. Crowded parking lots. My hell. Are you backing into a spot? to save yourself 10 seconds later on in the afternoon? Or are you pulling straight in the spot and let everyone go about their business? Are you selfish or unselfish? Um, I don't really think that's like a selfish thing to do that. I mean, I don't really back into spots because I have like bad depth perception. So like, I, I am a great driver, <laughs> right? Like I'm a phenomenal driver, but when it comes to like parking and shit, like I feel like I may need glasses or something because my depth perception's all off. Like I'll park and I'll think I'm like right up on the curb and I'm like 10 feet away from it. And like, I have like 20, 20 vision. So it's like weird. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I don't think there's really a problem with people like backing into the spots. Like what's, what's wrong with that? Exactly. You're and here's the thing. Holding Dave, everyone you up. You know mm. better, Dave. You know better as a true journalist. You asked both Nick and Fourier the most leading biased questions I've ever heard. Are you selfish or unselfish? Are you there? And they both still shot you down. You have literally spent two hours getting destroyed on the That's national internet airwaves. 
You give leading bullshit questions and you still don't have them go the way you want them to go. That's not entirely true because Christian said if he feels like it's a crowded parking lot with traffic moving, people he are in a hurry. In. He's going to he go forward in. every We all every back time. in. You're, you're Jim Crane, Dave. Just fucking take the L, brother. Like, it's okay. Oh, Just take that L. Geez. Just take the but like, but, but like, I, I, but in all seriousness, like, I fail to like. Why is that? Like, it's really not that. Like, there's a lot of shit that gets under my skin and pisses me off. Like, I don't think that's one of them. Oh, it is. It gets like you under know what pissed skin. me off yesterday. You know what pissed me off yeah. yesterday? Like, what? I went to park. I got my hair cut yesterday. I went to park in front of the fucking in front of the salon, and some fucking asshole was like halfway in both fucking spots. So I had to like park like way back in order to get a spot that was like somewhat close to where I, where I needed to go. That fucking piss. That guy should be fucking, I would, I'm, I would never say that someone should be executed for something like that. But if I were to say it, it would be about that person that was in both spots. That's that kind of shit is infuriating. The person that wants to back into a spot, but like stay within the lines and like not be in multiple spots. That's okay. It's the fucking assholes that can't fucking fit in one spot. That should be fucking killed. I said it. That's right. Executed. Jesus, that is hot, hot take. I don't like that guy either. That guy is actually Who's worse, worse than the moron. That guy's worse. That guy's can worse. Can I ask you guys a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Are we yeah. over time? I yeah. don't care. Um, yes, did you guys, I do. Did you guys see the, <laughs> I appreciate that. Did you guys see the video of like, and I don't know whether it's doctored or not, of the guy like hitting the woman's seat that was reclining on the airplane? That was on Twitter yeah. like all day yesterday. Here's my yeah. take on that. No. I think they're both, yeah. they're both assholes. That's my take on it. They both suck. The guy that's hitting the chair sucks. Because I had this happen to me recently when I was flying to Chicago for one of the You Better You Bet shows. When I was in an exit row, my plane, my seat couldn't recline. And the guy in front of me was reclining. And not only was he was he reclining, but like he was like, I thought he was like in the fucking like bouncy castle going back and forth on it. And I kept, and I fucking put my knee right in the fucking middle of that fucking chair. And so I didn't, so I, I kind of did it to a degree, but I was not like punching the chair or doing anything like that. So I think, you know, we all have to remember at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? They're both assholes though. The fucking recliner's an asshole and the fucking, it, the, and it, only an asshole because it's the last row of the plane. That's the only reason why. Otherwise, I think everyone should recline. Okay, That's Ross is a recliner. Ross is a recliner. This so is, this am is I. A great like, what's wrong with reclining? Have like, to. I go with the flow. I go with the flow. I don't want to be the only guy reclining. I don't want to be the one why? dickhead that's breaking up the role of everyone who's being courteous to everyone else. Well, fuck that. But, but well, honestly, so here's my thought. Look, like, if everyone has the ability to recline, I think, like, there should be, like, like should be unwritten rules of flying, like unwritten rules of baseball. If you're seating, sitting in front of the exit row, you should not be able to recline because they can't recline. So then you're right in their fucking shit. Well, I guess this kind of then, I guess my idea sucks because then you'd have to Defeats go all the way your whole purpose, idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's the row in front, the row in front. Yeah, 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 I guess you're right. The row in front. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm going to be Jim Crane, guys, and be like, I still think my idea was a good idea. Hey, hey, dude, <laughs> let, me, let me just summarize, okay? The, the whole plane is designed for everybody to recline, number one. Like, if you look at a map and see a video when everybody reclines, it's perfect. And number two, make sure you don't have the row where you can't recline. How about doing a little research? How about picking your seat ahead of time, okay? I don't feel bad for the morons that don't do that. God, blame blame slapdick Eli Herskovich who booked the, my producer. You better you better book the flight for me and fucking put me in an exit yeah, row. Ask. Twenty four hours before it's before you when you check in, 
switch it to a different row. Boom. Usually too late. Crowded flight. We're way no. over time, but Costos, Costos, do you put effort into Valentine's Day? We're going to get to this tomorrow. Or do yeah. you just hate Valentine's Day like I do? Oh, you do? What do you do? Do you roll out roses? See, I think here's what's really interesting about this is Dave kind of like, Dave kind of like presents himself as being like this like great guy where like, and I present myself as being a piece of shit. But I get the sense that Dave is actually like a, like a crusty old piece of shit and I'm actually a really nice guy. I'm a romantic man. I like all this shit. I'm into it, man. I went to, I, my Dave's a lot, right. Dave's a lot more of a negative hater than I ever realized. He, he <laughs> hates on everybody. He hates everything. He's negative. I Lead love Valentine's it, Day. Right? I love right. Valentine's Day. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about why. You know what? Who knows how many precious Valentine's Days you'll ever have with your wife and daughter, ever. You better enjoy the shit out of it, make them all feel special, and stop being a pussy. I'll see you tomorrow. I, I agree with you. Sorry, Dave. Valentine's Day sucks. See you guys tomorrow. I kind of think you suck. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.